Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Debt Discussion for April 13th. It's Monday the 13th instead of Friday the 13th. That's that's a good thing. And it is the year 2015. Hard to believe we're uh, almost halfway through April. And the, the months seem to skip by like weeks anymore. But uh, I'd like to welcome everybody uh, as I said, this is Dallas Debt Discussion. We discuss debt issues, legal issues, et cetera, so on and so forth. Um, we don't dispense legal advice. We don't know how to dispense legal advice. First of all, we don't know what it is. Second of all, uh, even if we knew what it was, we wouldn't know how to dispense it. So anything that you hear on this call is discussion. Um, we talk about stupid lawyer moments. We uh, we talk about good news, things that uh, uh, people have been able to accomplish in most cases because of things that they've learned through study with us. And uh, we have lots of fun. But the bottom line is uh, there's no legal advice here. If you want legal advice, go retain an attorney, talk to an attorney, and they will give you legal advice, and they'll usually charge you a fairly good chunk to do so. But we uh, are here for educational purposes. We are here for discussion to help people with the situations they may find themselves in, uh, dealing with debt matters, legal matters uh, relating to debt. Uh, you know, we're not lawyers. We're, uh, we're just uh, ordinary people like everybody else. It's just that some of us have been involved in a lot more litigation than others, and some of us are farther ahead in our studies of the law and the debt industry and so on and so forth than other people. So those people that are less informed, it's not to say they're stupid because people are not. Just because they're uninformed about something doesn't mean they're stupid. It just doesn't mean that, uh, it just means that they haven't learned it yet. So bottom line is we're, we're here as a community. We're here to help. And I ask that everybody have themselves muted on this call. Please hit star six on your phone to mute yourself when you come on. The reason for that is very simple. You're not muted by the system when you come on. And we don't want to listen to the dog barking or uh, the kids screaming at each other or the inadvertent TV that comes on loud or whatever. We want to have a, a quiet call because there's hundreds and hundreds of people listen to these recordings. And they learn from this. That's the whole idea. So please be courteous to all those people that are not only live on the call but would listen to the recordings so that uh, they can hear what's being said. And with that said, we always start with good news, which we will do in just a moment. You don't have to raise your hand. But after we get done with good news, to raise your hand to uh, either make a comment or ask a question, just hit star 8 on the keypad on your phone. That will put you in the queue. We take people in the order that uh, 
they've uh, gotten in. Please keep in mind, this is a two-hour call now, and we want to uh, make sure that we're able to help anybody and everybody that, that does come on uh, to ask questions. So, you know, sometimes we get into some somewhat long-winded dissertations slash discussions on things that uh, uh, I need to... Uh, make sure that I rein that in. If we get into that kind of stuff, we're here to help, but we uh, we can't take the 45 minutes of the call for one individual. So with that said, if anybody has any good news, and good news can uh, mean anything, you know, good outcome in a court case, uh, something happening positive for you, maybe a settlement on a situation you've got, or maybe getting a settlement check. All of those fall under the good news category. So if anybody has good news, go ahead and speak up now. You don't have to raise your hand to do so. I have some good, good news. Well, let's hear it. This is Jonathan down in South Florida. How's everybody doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I just got a settlement here uh, with the law firm that I've been battling now for about a year. Oh, wow. Mostly because mostly because of the judge kind of sat on the case for a few months. Pretty interesting. Um, I actually sued the law firm representing the Bank of New York Mellon who filed a foreclosure on my condo. Uh-huh. Um, so basically uh, they're willing to settle now, and I've added Bayview Loan Servicing and the Bank of New York Mellon as defendants, so I will now continue pursuing those guys on that case. Oh, good. Well, that's great. We got a settlement at least uh, with uh, part of the bunch. Uh, when they've been, when you've been fighting a battle for a year, good grief! You know, nothing like having something strung out. Yeah, it's not normal. I mean, the judge, I guess they were busy and they couldn't, you know, find time to go through all those freaking motions that we filed back and forth. But nonetheless, it's settled out, and uh, I'll keep on trucking with the other guys. The good news is Bayview. I actually sued them previously, and they settled for. A nice chunk. So, round two, here we go. There you go. Congratulations. Well, good job. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the good news. Mute out. No problem. I'll mute out. i got some questions for later. All righty. Thanks a lot. Okay, who else has got any good news for us tonight? Okay, we have uh, a dose of silence on the good news. Well, the only good news that I have at the moment is I filed four more cases against Midland today in the small claims court. <laughs> that makes 29. And uh, out of a 113, only a few left to go. And this past, weekend, this past weekend, I got all the petitions all, all done typed and printed for every one of them. So all I have to do is just pick up a packet of them and walk up to the courthouse counter and slap them down, pay the money, and away we go. So we're going to, we've got things set up for assembly line uh, operation. I've got file folders all set and everything. So uh, I did get a, a packet of papers today. Uh, I went and got the mail right before the call tonight. I didn't get a chance to look at it, but it's a packet of stuff from the MDL, and I think I'm probably going to have a literal mountain of paperwork uh, because that was uh, stuff about 
another case being added to the MDL. So I'm assuming that every time there's something added, I'm gonna, no matter what it is, no matter what the action is, if it's in the, the MDL, uh, I'm going to get copies of it. So I'll have to look at that and get the details. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting experience and uh, I've saved several boxes to uh, hold paperwork. All That's right. exciting news. Yeah, well, uh, it's it, it, a settlement would be uh, uh, exciting, but uh, you know, this is the war is on. As I said last week, you know, that's all we can do. Uh, uh, I'm up for it. Uh, they want a war. They got one. So you're going you're gonna to enjoy this, David. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's just one of those things. It's uh, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to fight. Well, yeah. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of stuff going on in addition uh, to just the, the paperwork filings in the court. And there's a lot of work to do on other things, which I've mentioned before. I won't go into again, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, if somebody wants a war, they get a war. And uh, But you, you're also you're treading new water, which is very nice. And I appreciate it. I the rest of the members, I'm sure, do also. Well, thank you. Uh, it's... You know, I'm trying to address the issue of the uh, uh, abusive use of uh, the MDLs. And uh, that's probably going to be a long time to its conclusion. But, uh, you know, if it takes a few years, uh, so be it. That's that's just the way things go. So, I'm, anyway. I'm just glad you're fighting. You're fighting. <laughs> yeah. All right, does anybody else have any good news for us tonight? You know, sometimes there's a bunch of good news. Other times there's uh, kind of a dearth of it. And it uh, sounds like maybe things are quiet tonight, which is okay. It is springtime. People are, are busy doing other things. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people that have got cases in progress. So sometimes it's uh, we just uh, have to wait until the results surface. And that's what we get. All right. Well... I'm reading a a really interesting appeal brief out of the 11th um, that's got some really good stuff in it that I can use. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it was uh, a case uh, under FCRA against Experian for, and get this, selling millions of people's credit scores to a creditor on accounts that were closed. Ooh. Yeah. And believe it or not, the lower court uh, said, well, you know, they they didn't know it wasn't permissible. Yeah, really. It's it's not. They're in the business, but they they don't know what the law says that governs their business. Yeah, and here's something that was in in here. I just want to read this to you. Um, this is not something that uh, weighed on the case one way or the other. But okay, I'm just going to read this a little bit to you. For example. Experian offers to screen each consumer's address against an entire data bank of suspicious addresses such as for cemeteries, prisons, and massage parlors, 
as well as to check each consumer's social security number against an entire list of social security numbers of dead people and valid social security numbers from the government. Now, I don't know if anybody just picked it up, but I know this because of the um, extensive uh, genealogy research that I've done in the past. The Social Security Index for Dead People, okay, um, is made available as is the the censuses. The censuses are only like um, available to the public every 10 years. But the Social Security numbers are searchable and made available to the public only after death, all right? No one, de- uh, uh, credit reporting agencies, no one is supposed to have access to lists of active Social Security numbers from the government. So how in the hell is Experian accessing that information? Surreptitiously. I mean, they they come right yes. out and say that they will check it against valid Social Security numbers from the government. No one is supposed to have that but the Social Security Administration. Well, Terry, I'll tell you something interesting. You know, you can go online and find out what your future benefit is. Um, you know, they mail you statements in the mail, but you can also go Every online and, and get a current one from Social uh-huh. Security. From Social Security. And as a side note, I looked mine up, and they said, based on such and such, when you retire, you're going to get this this amount. But based on current budgets within the government, you can only expect to receive probably 77% of that amount. In other words, they're not going to pay the full benefit when I hit retirement, which I never expected anyways. But shortly thereafter, after I pulled this up online, like a week later, boom, it showed up on my Experian credit report, Social Security Administration. So when they verify, when they verify your identity for setting up a Social Security online account to log into your Social Security account, they verify your information against Experian. That is so wrong on so many levels. Well, I mean, look, look, look. That's not, wait a minute. (laughs) That, whoa, just back up right there. Because the FCRA, after 1996, and especially after 2003, when they cleaned up the language in FCRA, they specifically changed it from a permissible purpose being a legitimate business need, which that would fall under, okay? But now it's different. Now they have changed it specifically for certain purposes, okay? And the Social Security Administration would never have one of those purposes enumerated under the FCRA. There's no way. There's no permissible purpose there for them. Nevertheless, they're doing it. (laughs) Well, I was was taken aback, too. Until, you know, that's going on my list. Yeah. Of of stuff that has to be looked into 
And well, if he, and, if he knew an attorney that was interested in this stuff, he'd probably have him pull, has his assistant pull up his account and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm thinking I do. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely do. And keep me posted. It'd be a good class action. Oh man, I'm telling you, there's no possible way there's a permissible purpose for the Social Security Administration to be pulling your credit report simply because you went to check on your Social Security account. Mm-hmm. Especially when they didn't ask you for permission to do it. Well, and here's the problem. <laughs> I I just said Social Security account, okay? The definition of account is not that type of account. They do not issue credit or no, insurance. They, they owe you money. They owe they, us exactly. Money. They they are, you know, debtors, not creditors. Mm-hmm. The problem with the conversation is that the United States president has a Connecticut social security number. <laughs> and he's never, well, never lived in it, nothing about any of this is le- is is lawful. I'm not going to say legal because they just twist it around and try to make it legal, but it's certainly not lawful, not under the current very plain and unambiguous language of the FCRA, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Amazing what they're doing, isn't it? It absolutely is, but that jumped right off the page at me, and it was like an, oh, by the way, kind of you know, statement in here. Uh-huh. And and nobody pays any attention to it. And then through the whole brief that I'm reading, I found this to be very interesting. Okay. They're talking about permissible purpose. Permissible purpose, that permissible purpose. The other thing, all in relation to experience selling millions of people's quote unquote credit scores. Okay. Not credit reports, credit scores to this company, which is a credit card company. Check systems? Huh? Is it check systems? Is that a defendant? No, uh, it's called ADS. Um, But anyway, uh, and they had some subsidiaries that underneath them that were issuing the credit cards. But anyway, what they were selling was and massive. I mean like three point five the year involved here, three point five million people's credit scores to ADS and knowing that they were for accounts that were paid off and closed, closed at the consumer's request. Okay? And they knew by the agreement between Experian and ADS that um, the purpose for the credit scores was to, quote, unquote, market services to their customers. Well, these people are not their customers. So therefore, of course, Experian knew what they were doing was illegal and completely wrong. Okay. But... The whole thing kept talking about they Experian claimed that it was uh, permissible because it was under account review. Well, there's some really good language in here. The attorney that wrote this brief, under the uh, standard of review, 
on the fact that in order um, for Congress's intent for placing account review as a permissible purpose was to reassess a consumer's uh, current standing as to the original agreement to see if they're still, you know, in compliance with the original agreement with that customer. Okay, so, and the language clearly states, if there's no account, there can be no account review. And I have said this so many times with the debt buyers when they pull the the credit reports and they claim it's for account review. And it has to be for an account that currently exists and for which you have an agreement. All right. The minute they buy something from a creditor, that account with that original creditor no longer exists. Agreed. So there is nothing to review. But when when it comes to excuse me, when it comes to sixteen eighty one B A three A, when they say they have a reason to believe, I I found another case today, and I'll send it to you tomorrow, Terry. What was that? Uh, it was some somebody against check systems. Yeah, what I don't that? have it here in front of me, but it's talking about the S two B and the um and sixteen eighty one B A three A. Yeah, and you were gonna say what about that? Well, they have to have proof that they're um pulling your credit based on something they have in their possession. The motion to dismiss that my girlfriend just got basically stated that they don't have a, a permissible purpose, but they don't they won't show it in court. Who won't show it in court? The defendant. They, they won't even mention 1681 BA3A. Oh, I see. Well, they have to. You know, that's a that's an issue for discovery, of course, but they're going to have to make some statement as to what specifically their enumerated permissible purpose was. Right. Okay. And if they say, okay, it's account review, under what section of the statute? They have to tell you what well, section you of the you, statute. You saw the motion to dismiss, and what the base, lady basically said was she wouldn't even mention 1681-BA-3A. She just mentioned reason to believe in quotations. That because <laughs> well, you have a reason to believe that you have an account, that's good enough. No, you know, and that's not going to fly. Because I think she doesn't know how to read. It's probably why she just mentioned <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it it's a brainless attorney, Dave. I don't yeah, know if you yeah. read that, but no, that no, a, I, I, I didn't read it. But um, yeah, you were talking about it last week. But uh, it's an absolute yeah. joke of a motion to dismiss. Yeah. Well, we. Well, the, I want to. I, I want to okay. finish with good news here yeah, before right. we get into any any more depth on stuff here. Terry was talking about something she was reading, and you know, in relation to good news. So let's finish up what we're doing, okay? Yep. I apologize. No, no problem. It's just I want to try and stay on track here. So, it was Terry? A, very, very enlightening. There's some 
just awesome language on the FCRA itself and Congress's intent. Great case law in here to back it up. Um, this is out of the 11th, and it's Levine versus Experian. But this well, is the appeal brief, and it was successful, by the way. Yeah. And and see, what Terry is doing and what she's talking about is what everybody should be doing, if you're serious, if you're dealing with things, is finding as much of this documentation, these uh, briefs and whatever that you can find, because just like she was saying, there's great arguments and case law in there, and, uh, you know... Stop and think for a moment, everybody. If you are looking for a case law to support things at your district court level, don't you think a winning appellate brief would probably have some excellent case law that helped them win the appeal? So that's another source for people to look for case law regarding the specific issues that you have that you're dealing with, whether, you know, whether you're dealing with a summary judgment or, or who knows what, uh, a motion to dismiss. Uh, the whole thing is digging this stuff out. Does it take time, energy, and maybe some expense at times? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But, you know, how bad do you want to be successful in what you're doing? And sometimes, in fact, often, um, trial verdicts get appealed when when these collectors and credit reporting agencies and stuff aren't happy with the outcome. And believe me, when they get smacked for a whole bunch of money, they're not happy with the outcome. And so they'll appeal. You know, usually they lose, but um, they will appeal, and you will find beautiful um, briefings in those kind of cases. Yeah, and when they appeal, they're only appealing errors that the court made they're not appealing that the the jury made a wrong decision because you can't really appeal a jury decision well what you, you see often dave is that they'll appeal the judge's instructions to the jury right it's always got to be roundabout an error by the court right that's but i want everybody to be aware of that when in the situation where you have a jury trial the the way that they're going to make their appeal is that the court the judge did something wrong that allowed the jury to reach the verdict that they did because you can't appeal the jury's verdict you can appeal the uh, uh errors in the uh, by the court and another so, way of saying that, perhaps, is that uh, the judge allowed false and misleading information to be placed in front of the, the uh, fact finder called the jury, and they relied upon that information to make their decision. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, All Jerry, right. did you well, have anything well, else you wanted to mention? Yeah, before we go on, in that language that I said... <laughs> was really good. That's short. I'll just read it. The statutory language at issue here does not raise the same complications as were present in Safeco Insurance Company of America versus Byrd. Now that gets, <coughs> that was a Supreme Court issue, um, that gets quoted very often on the permissible purpose. In this case, the question is whether an account review is permissible 
when there is no account to review, a question which the statute's plain language answers clearly. Only an Orwellian reading of account review would find a sale permissible when there is no account to review and there are no other circumstances that render the request permissible. Very good. That was beautiful. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. What's that? What case was that? Levine versus Experian. Was that in a circuit or in a, a regular uh, the district courts? Eleventh Circuit. Oh, okay. Uh, now, now Christine, keep in mind this is in the appellate brief. This is not in the court decision. Oh, okay. I thought it was a court decision. Right. No, no. I wanted, okay. That's why I wanted to mention that. And make sure that you knew that. Uh, has there been a ruling on that case yet? Oh they yeah, won. they won. They won the appeal. Oh, okay. That's good. For permissible, impermissible pull, right? No, it was impermissible sale of uh, credit scores. And then at the end, they're talking about selling credit reports, um, either or, you know, scores and, and credit reports on accounts that they knew were closed, paid in full, and closed by the uh, consumers. Oh, okay. That's, it's not for you, Christine. No, I got no. enough problems going on over here. <laughs> but, the, but the same language that they're talking about here, the same sections, they're talking about permissible purposes for right. any company to get your personal information from a credit reporting agency. You see, it doesn't really matter that the issue here was selling the scores and the reports for the purposes of marketing their silly services to non-customers, okay? The the issue here is permissible purpose. So exactly. this language applies whether we're talking an ordinary credit pull or a massive purchase from the credit reporting agency. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's keep moving here. I want to see if there's any other good news, and then we're going to go to the queue to uh, see who we've got with questions tonight. I have a good news. Let's hear it. Well, um, as you know, I filed my federal lawsuit against my servicer, and uh, they answered and basically uh, denied everything. So what's interesting was that I did speak to the attorney, and the attorney pretty much said if I was willing to settle. And I said, make me an offer. So I'm waiting for them to put an offer together and kind of um, get back to me on that. So I thought that was pretty interesting that he actually filed an answer versus filing a motion to dismiss. Well, hey, that's good. I mean, not everybody files a motion to dismiss. You know, the, the, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say motions to dismiss from uh, my experience are probably one-third of the time as well, opposed to an answer. From this particular attorney, from what I had kind of researched them and stuff, the majority of the answers were motion to dismiss. Mm -hmm. So well. I, I was kind of surprised because it was like, oh, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting for them to come Right. Know, come back with a motion to dismiss, but they answered it, and then on top of that, they're asking me if I'm willing to settle and you know just get this over with. So that was well, good. 
But, so I'm, that was that's kind of exciting. Well, yeah, that is good news. Great. Well, let us know uh, what happens, whether you're able to wrap something up. Yeah. Oh, I certainly will. And then I'll get on the queue. What is it? Do I need to lift up to get on the queue? Because I have Star a question. Star 8. Star 8 is how you put yourself in the queue. Okay, great. Thanks. All righty. Thank you. Okay, who else has got any good news for us? David. No. Yes, you got good news? Well, it could be. Um, I've had a real eventful week from last Wednesday's. Yeah, I know you've got a lot going on. Yeah. Oh, man, I had a lot going on. I finally got a break today. Um, That hearing did not turn out very well. It was two hours. Um, I told the judge to disqualify herself twice. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I have it recorded, and one of these times I'm going to stick it on YouTube. <laughs> this, this, it was a real experience, that hearing. Yep. And um, she gave them everything in discovery, um, all my bank accounts, uh, let's see, everything, my whole life. She said I had to give to them my credit reports, everything. Past addresses, all the court cases I've been involved with, anything you can think of, she said that they could have everything. Appeal it. Appeal it. Appeal it, appeal it, appeal it, appeal it, appeal it. Because if you don't, she's going to keep doing it. Well, this is this. I'll tell you what happened. Um, I studied for this deposition tomorrow at 10 o'clock from the time of that hearing until today. And I just happened to make a phone call to someone, a friend, and she talked to someone else as a paralegal and said, well, wait a minute, you don't have to go to this deposition. I said, no, I do. She said, no, you don't. And she brought to my attention, remember, this is a magistrate's ruling. And, you know, it it didn't cross my mind that I have to object this. Well, I was going to, but I thought, what she did last Wednesday was because the deposition is tomorrow. Okay, she did this real quick. They filed the motion Monday. They had a hearing Wednesday. And I, I told her the, the rules is that, you know, you denied me this right to due process of 14 days. You guys all remember that. Anyways, mm-hmm. I read the right act. <clears throat> I objected everything. She overruled everything. And so this person told me, send him a notice. And uh, in email today, and then call him, make sure he gets it. So it was a notice to um, to reschedule to the uh, deposition for tomorrow. You mean from tomorrow? Yeah, reschedule the deposition that was supposed to be held tomorrow. So right. I, I sent him that notice, but as I typed it out, I called him. And I wanted to make sure I got him on the phone before I sent him this notice so he wouldn't avoid me. Uh-huh. So he gets on the phone. As soon as he gets on the phone, I hit send. <laughs> and I says, I just sent you an email. He says, oh, Mrs. Carter. He says, how are you doing today? And I says, good. I says, I just sent you a notice that uh, you're going to reschedule that deposition tomorrow. Oh, my God, he hit the roof. He, <laughs> I, I have never heard him yell and scream like that. He just hit the roof. And he says, no, he says, you can't do that. And I says, I'm doing it. I says, I'm, I'm objecting to the magistrate's ruling. He says, you can't do that. We've had this schedule for three weeks. I says, hey, I said, I'm not the one that filed this motion on Monday. And I says, you and the judge got together. Oh, he didn't like that at all. I says, and held it on Wednesday. I said, I had 14 days to respond. Oh, we went round and round. Anyways, I'm not going tomorrow. He, he canceled it. 
I said, hey, oh. You're going to be just as scared next week, Christine. Pardon? You're going to be just as scared next week. Why? Or two What's weeks from Next week. Well, they're going to get a deposition of you. Uh, well, I was ready to go, but I wasn't going to go walking into a slaughterhouse. It's not, it's not that bad. It's not like that. No, Brian, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what, what the judge did that is the problem. It's not yeah. the deposition. It's what the judge did laying the groundwork for them uh, in the deposition. The, the, the magistrate judge just flat disregarded the rules and uh, uh, is, is in cahoots with them. It's painfully obvious. Yeah, oh, well, I, way obvious. Yeah, you know, I understand the recording. I understand all that. Oh, yeah. But if you go if you if you go there in front of them tomorrow, you will show that you're better than them. And oh, it's, it's, that, that's a big thing for you. Not. I won't show up at a slaughterhouse that what she ordered me to give them, she ordered me to give right. my whole life. That's not gonna then happen. You object, no. you object, yeah, you object. And, but you but you're forgetting something, Christine, that you need to mention. One of the things, and I know this because we talked about it, uh, one of the things that the judge stated was she had to give her all of that stuff just so that they could prove that she was lying about having other accounts. Yeah, that, that I mean, there was a lot that was said and done, Terry. I forgot about that one, yeah. Yeah, they wanted to pr- prove my credibility was, was uh, I don't know. Well, it was a subpoena ducis tecum, correct? A, a what? Uh, <laughs> a, a deposition deuces tecum. No, no. Bring, they bring that for anything. Oh, well, the the court just said you're supposed to provide all that stuff to them uh, oh. prior to tomorrow at uh, deposition time, right? No, no. Uh, that was discovery because the, the hearing Wednesday was for discovery dispute. Yes, I, I understand that. I understand that, but when are you supposed to provide that information as a result of the hearing last week? In the amended discovery requests, like production of documents. and When, when are you yeah. supposed to provide oh, no, that? Um, they, oh, that was another thing. They rescheduled the um, deadline for discovery on just, just for them till April 30th. I have to have all this stuff to them. Well, Christine, remember what I said. What you don't have, you cannot be made to produce. And you know all the stuff that they were asking for is completely unreasonable for anybody to have it except Yvonne. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And, you know, because I'm telling you, even Dave doesn't have that kind of stuff. No, no, no. And me, I don't save anything, you know, beyond a year or so. And out the door it goes. Oh, no, I didn't the documents, Terry. It wasn't the documents itself. It was the questioning. They were going to question me at the deposition. They were bringing in, see, this, this is a debt collector. They bought it from someone else. They were, in my complaint, I did not mention who they bought it from. I was just going after the debt collector themselves. It's a debt buyer, not a debt collector. Well, a debt buyer. Okay, well, so, so... They brought in this here company. They, I don't, I don't want to say their name, but they brought in the place they bought it from and into this action. 
And I made that clear to the judge. I said, listen, I said, they are not in this action. And this is what they're doing. They're trying to prove that I owe this so-called debt. And which they it doesn't were, matter. Well, I, you tell the judge that. I had told her. I don't know how. I even read her the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which she cut me off. Did you, object, did you object and make your record for appeal? Oh, yeah, I objected many, many times. <laughs> okay. Well, you made your record for <laughs> appeal, so appeal her ruling. Well, no, I'm not going to yeah. appeal it. I'm going to object to it and send it to the judge, but the judge will have to rule on, on my objection. This, uh-huh. this is why I delayed this. Uh-huh. But my, my issue is, is I'm, I'm sorry if I'm talking on the line. My issue is, is that you are so scared of the deposition. You should just go do it. It's not no, as bad as no, 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 Brian. You're you're misinterpreting what she's what she's doing. Okay. It's yeah. what the judge ordered me to give them. They have no rights to. That's right. Right. Subpoena this is yeah. But but no, and no, it's not. It wasn't the, that either. No, but, and the judge also told her. Okay, she's not telling you everything. The judge, uh, the judge also told her that she had to answer anything they wanted and give them anything they wanted in the deposition. Exactly. That's and right. that if she and if she didn't, that it would be in violation of that judge's order. Uh, absolutely, that's what she said. And today, when I got an argument with him, he said, y- "You're ordered to go to this deposition." I said, "Nope." I said, "That's one thing that's not in the order." <laughs> and he 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 got it was dead air for a while. And that is one thing she didn't order me to go to the deposition. I cover I covered <laughs> is, is John here? Is John here? I'm here. When you go in front of the deposition and you can object to each answer and put it on the uh, record, if you will, and then you can actually pause the deposition and say, I'm leaving. Do you think that's uh, an issue that's going on right here? Well, no, because she said said in her order I had to respond and answer each one of those questions. And that would yeah, be- she, but she can't she tell you have, how you have to answer. Exactly. You know what? In any deposition, Christine, you do have to respond and answer to each and every question. Now, what your response is and what your answer is, no one can tell you what it absolutely has to be. Okay, but in her order, she says, I am not allowed to respond in the same way that I did in my discovery. And I, I, no. I did everything possible. No, it's uh, done diff- it's, it's done yeah. differently. Christine, I'm going to say something very simple when it comes to a bunch of the stuff that they're wanting to go and dig into from many years ago. Take a lesson from Hillary Clinton. I read about that. You need to read and fully understand exactly what Hillary Clinton, who is a lawyer, who is a lawyer, did. And then look what her husband did. Take a lesson from some of the best. And I'm here to tell you, Christine... If somebody asks me a question, and and I'm no different than you, 
I'm no different than you, but I'm going to speak of myself. If someone asks me a question, and my answer is, I don't recall. There isn't any person on the face of this planet Earth that can prove that I can recall, but I've refused to. And what goes for me goes exactly for you. Think about that before you go. I'm not going. There isn't going to be one tomorrow. No, I'm saying when when you go. When When you go. When you go. Have that cemented in your mind, the understanding that nobody can tell you that you can recall something but you're refusing to. Hillary Clinton was as guilty as sin in the whitewash deal, and she walked away from it because she answered every single question before Congress with, I don't recall. And now now she's running for president as a dummy that couldn't recall anything during the Whitewater investigation. But, Dave, at this point, <laughs> what difference does it make? Yes. Some more. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, but, Christine, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to make my point. I wanted to make my point. If you don't have documents, you know, you don't have old credit reports, you don't have uh, bank statements stuff, no, I don't have it. Well, did you pay? Da, da, da. Mm, you know, I don't recall. But you, don't don't be like the individual. Oh, Brian, please. Don't uh, be like the individual that I saw in a video that was being deposed, and the lawyer asked him a question. And he says, I don't recall. They uh, asked him another question. I don't recall. Asked him another question. I don't recall. What? When were you at born? Least, I don't recall. At least give the appearance that you give it some thought, like mm, I'm contemplating and, you know, I don't recall. Because well, they, can't the say, they can't say, well, you just gave patent answers. No, I, 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 I was asked a question. You can listen to the recording of the deposition or look at the video. I thought carefully before I answered the question to make sure that I gave a correct answer. Okay, let me ask you this. They're saying I had a certain debt with a certain company, okay? <clears throat> and I'm telling them, no, I didn't. Okay, but all of a sudden, I don't recall anything else. And then they're going to say, well, how how can you recall that you didn't have this? How do you solve that problem? Well, I know how, I didn't did have you... a debt with them, but... No, it, 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 you recall? No, no. You haven't. Yeah, Christine, go back to my first statement. There isn't a person on the face of this planet that can prove I or anyone else can recall something. If we say that we can't recall, that's our sworn testimony. And there isn't anybody that can prove anything to the contrary. 
And you'd be surprised. When I went to mine, I had made up my mind that I was going to say that as little as possible. You know, I didn't, I wasn't going to go to the deposition with the idea that no matter what they asked me, I was going to say, I don't recall. But you know what? 90% of what the crap that she was asking about, I either didn't know anything about it or I truly didn't recall because it was so long ago. Yeah, this is back in 2008 or 2007. They're questioning things. Well, exactly. Uh, I didn't that's, remember. That's eight eight years ago. I don't remember that. I don't recall. Oh. Hey, Dave, can I add something to that? Sure. Um, what she had mentioned happened to me in my deposition. Now, because it was for TCPA, it was a little bit different. But when I did my deposition and they asked me that, and I said, I don't recall, he then flipped it like that and said, well, if you don't recall, then there's a possibility. You know what I mean? So it was kind of damning both ways. No, no, so no, 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 no. You know what? They did it, that to me, too. It, it raises a question, but it doesn't mean that you can recall it. You're let, the let ultimate me authority. I understand that. I said that, and that I didn't recall, and I didn't do it for every question, not at all. But right. when you know what? it was you, then you then you're stating that then there is that possibility. So I forgot how we worded this because this is years ago. No, I can tell you the answer that. to that because okay. they did that to me too. And you know she kept saying, "Well, you don't recall, but you'll admit that it." And since you don't recall, it is possible, right? And you know what I said? Uh, that calls for speculation. Anything under the sun supposedly is impossible. I mean, is possible, but I couldn't possibly know what is possible. That's speculation on my part. How could I tell you something is possible when I don't know for a fact that it is? Okay, that's good. I just wanted to know what a response would be for next time. It didn't affect me in that case, but that yeah. is what you said that yeah. is what happened. So. It calls for speculation, and I told her, I said, I will not speculate on any of the facts surrounding this case. Christine, did you hear that well? Yeah, and that's in the NOLA handbook, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've got those just it, about memorized. Yeah, and and here again, like I was talking about before, and I'm it's it's a reminder. And this is for everybody. If you find yourself in a deposition, you don't have to be in a hurry and answer. Let them ask the question and contemplate and think and if necessary ask them to rephrase rephrase the question or repeat it and then you can pause and gather your thoughts and think okay what is the best way to respond to this don't yeah, be I, in I, a hurry they're counting on you being in a hurry so that they can trap you and twist your responses. Oh, I'm you sure know, that's... and you you may say something that means completely different in the intention in your mind when you say it that they can twist around and construe to the court 
well, you know, she admitted when she said this, that, or the other thing, and you said no such thing. Yeah, I think we talked about that last week. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest thing, like I say, is to go in there with the absolute thought in mind, I need to operate in slow motion today. Yeah. Instead of, well, I'm going to go ahead and answer your questions, but I don't think you're going to like the answers you get. No, it's I'm going to operate in slow motion today, and it doesn't matter if they like it or not, because (laughs) I am not going to change it. There is nothing in the federal rules that says I must answer deposition questions rapidly. You think he's kidding? He is not. I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing this because I'm trying to make a very, very, very important point. Because when we answer quickly, we many times, and especially in this, in unfamiliar circumstances, and where nervous. somebody can twist something and nervous and stuff. You can say something because once you spit it out, it's hard to pluck it out of the air and stick it back in your mouth. It doesn't work that way. So the point, the whole point is you have to slow down and give yourself enough time to think and never let the wrong thing escape your lips, the wrong, the wrong words. Well, I had a cheat sheet too ready, Dave. I was going to laminate it. Oh, let me, me. L- let, let me issue one warning here. Uh, okay, and this is really important because this happened to Pastor Will when that creep, Ken Grace, deposed him. Uh-huh. He, ha- he had his notes and his little notebook, and that slime ball reached across the table and took his notes and his notebook told him he was not allowed to have it and would not return it until after the deposition, and he went through it. And that would be the end of the deposition right there. Yeah. That was Exactly. That is completely illegal. That's theft of your property. Right. So, you know, I didn't know about you go, it. You go, you go get on the phone and you call the police department and you tell them, I have somebody here that just stole my personal property. Right, yeah. yeah. And is refusing to return it to me. And Dave? Yes. Dave, this is Leroy. I've got a couple yeah. of things I could throw in for Christine, my buddy uh, out in Ohio, and I think she's in Ohio. Yes, yeah. she is. He did a deposition that took three and a half or four hours, and he answered, I do not recall, 111 times because the, the uh, attorney that was doing the deposition who bragged that he was the top attorney um, in collection activities in the state of Ohio, that uh, he can, I mean, never loses a case, he complained to the judge that this <coughs> defendant answered 111 times, I do not recall, and the, it never went anywhere with the judge. Have you, have you read my case, Leroy? No, I haven't. I, I think I would have to respond, well, Your Honor, 
he asked me 111 things I didn't know. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> well, but the, 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 what I was getting at, too, is that he answered that many times, but the lawyer was so royally pissed off because he wouldn't answer the questions as far as he was concerned that he complained to the judge about it. Yeah. Yep. That's and exactly what happened to my kids. Did not right. go anywhere is right. Well, so, they don't because, have a magistrate like I do, though. You guys remember that. Yeah, but Christine, the magistrate, A, number one, does not have the final word. And second, any complaints about a deposition isn't going to go to the magistrate. It's going to go to the big judge. And third, what can the judge do about it? Nothing. Because of what Dave just told you, no one other than God himself can prove what you do or do not know, what you do or do not remember. What is the judge going to do? Issue sanctions on you for having a bad memory? <laughs> he can't. That's true. That is very true. Nobody that's can true. make you recall. That's why, that's the point that I tried to make. You look at what Hillary Clinton was facing. She was facing major felony situations and the Whitewater affair, and she sat there, and Christine, she was being asked by Congress in public, on television, and answered every single question. Not most of them, not some of them, every single one. No, I don't recall. For 48 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Really? Yeah. And this woman is qualified to be president. And and now she's running for president. Okay. (laughs) Learn something from that experience. Please (laughs) learn something from that experience. Okay. There was another guy, too, if I may. There there was another guy on YouTube. If you, Christine, if you'll take a look at YouTube um, deposition videos. There was there was a guy that was uh, head of the hedge fund, and he said yeah. he was he was the owner of everything, and he he was the F, uh, CFO, he was the CEO, and so on and so forth. When they asked him questions about where did the money go, where did it come from, I don't recall. Yeah, that's, but, that's but, all. He but he said. was he was the big cheese of everything, but he didn't recall anything. But and he was, he was so also smart. the one. He was also the one that, when they asked him a question, he immediately spit out, "I don't recall." I mean, he, he didn't even try and be convincing; like he gave it some thought. It was just a flippant, "I don't recall." That's true, <laughs> but he did it for like six hours. Yeah, and he he said the same thing every time. He so he was very consistent. I bet the attorney deposing him was really ticked off, weren't they? Yeah. yeah well, the twit wasn't too happy with me either, but. You know what? I I wasn't there to make the twit happy. (laughs) Exactly. You're not there to make friends. Anyway, anyway, let's let's get back to what we got to do here. Um, We uh, we've gone over your stuff. I think we've fairly well covered what you're dealing with, and uh, we want to. uh, Make sure that we can answer questions for everybody else. If we've got additional time for some discussion, we'll do that. But uh, I'm, I, 
No, I'm good, Dave. Uh, I don't have Q&A for okay. tonight. All righty. Thank you. All right. Anybody that has questions or even good news tonight, hit star eight and put yourself in the queue, and we will try and answer your questions for you. And we're going to go to guest 19. And I had to mute and unmute you to get you out of the queue. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yes. Oh, it's me. Um, I just have a, a question. I have, um, as I mentioned earlier, my the attorney filed um, a, um, I'm sorry, just one blank, filed an answer, but also the attorney for the, for the attorneys filed a motion to dismiss. Um, I'm getting ready to go ahead and, and file a motion in opposition to their motion to dismiss. Now, I have some, some in critical information that pretty much can disprove um, their allegations as far as um, them not having a standing to be able to pursue the foreclosure. Do I include that? on this motion to dismiss, or should I bring it? You have to argue what they bring up as reasons for it to be dismissed. You have to, you have to argue their points that they're basing their motion on point for point. Okay. So then I would, I would have to go ahead and put this in there. Okay. All right. That's uh, now I'm, I'm scheduled for the 26th conference. I did go through, um, through the webinar series and so forth. Any pointers that uh, you guys can give me while going through that um, through that conference? 26F is <laughs> super simple. It's it's just a matter of uh, having the dates. What I have generally done is ask the attorney on the other side, do you want to go ahead and draft the uh, 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 joint uh report and uh, send it to me for uh, inclusion of my statement and, and approval and, and you know that way uh, you get the billable hours for it and just about every time they've done that now Miss Witch that I dealt with she said but it's the plaintiff's responsibility to do that oh okay so I did it okay. but um, usually you'll find that the attorneys will do that because they get to bill their client that's money in their pocket just say, well, you want to, you know, uh, do you want to go ahead and draft that and uh, uh, send me the uh, draft so I can look at it and we'll go from there. We can discuss well, it at the meeting. Yeah, that's what I kind of talked to his, her assistant today about. So mm-hmm. she, her assistant told me that she would probably be drafting it. So I was going to start working on it this evening, but I wasn't sure if I would be the one doing it or if she would be the one doing it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I no. you know, let them do it because generally they're uh, they're they're happy to do it to make some money. Now, let me ask you another question. Um in regards to the serving people, I have I, I sued the attorney and two the a law firm and two attorneys. Now, I I did what you guys suggested to go ahead and serve the the law firm and that usually the law firm would go ahead and answer for the attorneys. Well, it didn't happen. So I have to kind of now serve the attorneys. How does that come into play since we're now rolling the ball with everything else and the other attorneys are involved in in moving forward with I don't understand what you just 
<laughs> me neither. <laughs> she lost okay. me. You, okay. She did a Keisha. She did a Keisha <laughs> on us. Oh, no. She did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Defendants A, B, and C, and D. Okay. Defendants A and B have answered the complaint. Defendants okay. C and D um, haven't answered it because I have not served them. Because they are they, lo- they are lawyers in the same law firm, correct? Yeah. Um, one, the, the attorney is willing to accept service on one of them, but she didn't give me the okay to accept service for the other one. So, well, then call the other attorney and say, will you accept service? You know darn well I'm trying to serve you. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. That's what I did. I asked her if she would accept service. She said she was going to let me know. But anyway, my question is, since these two attorneys have not answered the complaint because they have not been served yet. Well, was that a hard question? Uh, go, no. no, no go, go, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Please okay. don't interrupt her. Let her let her get everything out here. So how how do they come into the picture when they are served and they have to answer the complaint? Do we go they commit they answer the complaint <laughs> once yeah. they're served. Okay, and but then they'll have to follow the same schedule as the other people? Uh huh. Okay, so they'll have to follow the, the schedule as the Well the court the court may hold off issuing a scheduling order until everyone is served. Right. Okay. So then okay. okay. You you're, you're gonna have to serve those guys that didn't want to get served. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's what I'm in the process of doing. Um, yeah. One of them is, is, uh, was served today, and then the other one, I've got to figure out if she's not going to accept service, I've got to go ahead and get a service processor. So then the, the 26X conference that is on, on Wednesday, that conference, it's once we set all that, that's not going to be valid because there's still one more person. No, 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 no. You're no, making no. an assumption. You're making an assumption. Okay. That's the joint report of the parties that are involved at this time. You submit the joint report to the court, and the court will look at it and go, well, gee, the other people weren't uh, a party to this, so we're going to wait until the other parties are served before the court issues an answer. They'll give you additional instructions if you need it. Okay. All right. Don't get yourself so wound up because you don't have everybody served all at the same time. Well, um, I just want to make sure because they are going to put this on the fast track, and uh, they're giving us already the the order. The judge has already ordered uh, scheduling order and everything else. So it's like I'm waiting for Dave to say that's your assumption. No, that the judge issued the scheduling order the day mm-hmm. I filed. No, 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 no. He didn't issue no. a scheduling order. The scheduling order is done after you choose the dates and they te- they tell everybody. Right. I think what she's referring to is a judge's uh, Rule 26 order where the judge lays out exactly how things are going to move forward and that you need to have your 26F conference and both sides. Order need governing to. proceedings. Exactly. Right, and sometimes that the judge will call that a Rule 26 order. Yeah. It's called, also what? called in, in South Florida, it's called 7.1 disclosures. Is John here? Yeah. Well, let's let, let's here. just ask her what what exactly it was that the judge ordered. Uh, order requiring discovery and scheduling conference, and order referring discovery matters to magistrate. 
Oh, okay. Well, then there's your guidance. They they told you when to do your, uh, you know, starting on your discovery and when to do your uh, 26F conference. That's a normal order in the Southern yeah. District right. where you where yeah. they delegate to the magistrate that way for discovery matters. And and the, the scope of what the magistrate's going to look at is only related particularly to discovery. So even though they may give you what you consider an adverse ruling on what you have to produce, you can appeal it to the judge without having to appeal to the appeals court. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate right. the information. Okay. okay bye. All right. So let's go and see who else we've got here. We've got Southern California. Hello, California. I am hoping you can help me. I have, uh, I'm finishing up a reply brief, and... I'm just in one of those little places where it's like I can't think, like I can't articulate my thoughts together. So I Mental thought I would ask block. you can, <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of a little pickle in a way. But I'll tell you, um, in this Wamu case, I have discovered quite a bit. And what has happened was, you know, as everybody's aware, of 2008, the purchase and assumption agreement, and Wamu after that point, was in the control of J.P. Morgan, and they pulled my credit. And that and was vice versa. Went, yeah, Brian, and I went, I went after um, WAMU, a.k.a. J.P. Chase & Co., and then J.P. responded to the complaint and everything. Um, in the first, and I say there's three rounds to this, in the first round, the motion to dismiss, the judge denied them because they brought in stuff that was moot, right? So it continued on. I filed summary judgment on them, and I guess I should add the most important thing is they admitted to pulling my credit in their 12B6, so I already had that. So when I filed my summary judgment, I made that clear. The court denied me only by stating one thing, and that was they're not a consumer reporting agency. So I put that to rest in my brief, covering it with the Ninth Circuit rulings and obviously the statue and everything else. But now um, in their brief that, they, that I have that I'm going through, you know how they just throw stuff out there, but because this case had gone on for so long, it's certain things pertain to certain orders. And... They're stating that because of that purchase and assumption agreement in 2008, that you know, you're, everybody's barred from doing anything um, with WAMU because they didn't exist. Except that they sent me in 2011 a copy of a 10K through the SEC, which shows WAMU as a subsidiary of JP. So with that said, and the fact that the Purchase and Assumption Agreement in 2008 only bars somebody who had something to do with Washington Mutual, you know, be prior to that time, right? Prior this to 2008. All, yeah. And right. they're trying to use it now. Well, they obtained my credit in 2010, like December 2010. So it was over two years later, which is JP's actions using WAMU for whatever reason they were using it, probably illegally, I don't know. Um, so that's where I'm at is I'm trying to state that this is for the second round, the 12 judgment on the pleadings, um, that 
JP was in control of Washington Mutual's name, and therefore they used it to obtain the credit. That's what's listed on the credit report. That's what the consumer reporting agency came back and said, yep, verified it was WAMU, and they left it on the report and such and such. So how can I articulate that in a way by stating that they took over Washington Mutual, it has nothing to do with anything prior to 2008, and it's under their control, and they used, I don't know how you want to say that, they used um, Washington Mutual's name, or, you know, and they're even stating on their own paperwork that they're a subsidiary. So obviously they're not defunct if they're still listed as an active entity. When was your credit pulled? Uh, December 2010. And when did WAMU basically cease to exist? September of 2008 is what they're claiming. How does, it, how, does it, how does an organization that cease to exist pull your credit? Yeah. Because, well, this kind of trickled out a little bit because JP was coming back and stating, this is where they their admission right away was, well, because she has a loan with such and such, which is not even JP, not even Washington Mutual, some other entity, they're kind of making it sound like it was, it's all our company, so therefore it doesn't matter what, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a blanket um, admission, if you will. I'm guessing it was Pinnacle, right? No, no. It was it was EMC, but I even, def I even defunct that whole thing because EMC um, was brought up by JP in April of 2011. And I showed all the evidence even to that just to, I didn't have Yeah, that but. happened after the credit pull. Yeah. So either way, it's like they admitted to the poll, and I already got them on the first round because um, the court was saying, you know, they misunderstood the, the FCRA, so therefore they were going the pre-1996 amendment by stating, well, they're not a consumer reporting agency. And so I'm good on that, but this just for backup, I was trying to find a clever way that I could articulate that. Well, you know. given, given that WAMU ceased to exist, the only people who possible that would have been Chase. Right, but it didn't cease to exist. It, I guess this is this is a, a up for dispute. I guess I would say because just because the what do you call it, the OCC um, closed them as a failed bank, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. If they didn't exist, why well, would they right. show up? On How many employees did it have? I don't really care. All I know is they showed no, up. No, on you don't get the point. The point is, is they didn't have employees. No employee from Wamu could have pulled it. Therefore, they're not in It was obvious they already admitted to pulling it. So, why would I care if it's they have hey, no what evidence? Year was this? Not what year did they pull it? Twenty ten. December of twenty ten. Okay, this is this is one of my so-called second defendants in my case, which the debt buyer is bringing Wamu in. I didn't want to say their name, but they are out of business in 2007 or 8, and they admitted it. I no, I understand that, that, but it still, it still doesn't mean that JP cannot use their name, just because the OCC says it's a failed bank, you know what I mean, and, and that's it, and they buy a subsidy agreement, doesn't mean that company can't use their information. Well, well here, just hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Let's okay. go to the situation that Jesse has with them pulling his wife's credit. It was a defunct law firm mm -hmm. that pulled her credit. They had been out of business 
So they can't have a subscription to the credit reporting agency, which would give them reason to believe that they had a permissible purpose. That that was just what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, here's what my thoughts are, and I say this because this just happened with BAC, you know, Bank of America and BAC, right? Well, BAC still shows up on my credit report. Well, it's really not BAC, it's B of A, because when I disputed it, they quickly hurry up and changed it, and it came back as B of A. Well, they corrected their error, yes. Yeah, but that's the same thing as JP is doing, is they're saying, well, it should have been JP, is kind of what they were saying. No, that's, that's what not they what they're doing. Stating. That's what they stated in the beginning was that because of these loans, and it was an entity of JP. It's it's, J, it's supposed to it should have been JP. And I'm saying, well, it doesn't matter to me. It says Washington Mutual, not JP. Yeah, right. It it indicates it's, that that uh, Wamu pulled your credit, not JP. Right. Right. And if it should have been JP, then you should have been doing your jobs correctly. But apparently, you didn't. Right, like so, they just forgot to change the name because the location and everything is a Chase Bank or something in Florida. It's you know it all reverts back to JP, and they take well, responsibility. They, they were using saying, they they were using a bogus uh, for the credit reporting agency to report it that Wamu yes. pulled it. It yes. had to have been pulled under Wamu's agreement, not JP's agreement. Well, it changed for one month, and it also came up as Chase slash WAMU or JP something slash WAMU. So I knew they had something going on behind the scenes because after that, then it disappeared, but that was still five months later. Okay. Well, let's get back to the, the, the heart of the, the question here. What specific, just exactly are, that they put in are you trying to argue? Let's let's be real specific. Well, yeah, just specifically in this point is that they're seeing this 2008 um, purchase and assumption agreement, you know, bars them basically from all liability and everything. And when all the case law and everything I read, it's all about where people, like, you know, somebody had a loan with WAMU in 2007 or something. So when that purchase and assumption um, got bought out, that was an issue. Mine is about two years after the fact that was in JP's control solely. Well, then what you and have to do is, yeah, you, what you've got to do is argue that the uh, their arguments are are false and misleading, the, and and not relevant to the the facts. The facts are that your situation occurred two years later and that their arguments and the case citations that they are providing as support for their arguments are not analogous to the situation at hand before the court mm-hmm. and therefore okay. should be disregarded. So they, they, they reference a different process, different situations at a prior time. Mm-hmm. They are in their entirety non-analogous to the, case. the issues yeah. before the court. Right. Good, good point. So being that this was all done just in passing, like the orders are not denying based on that. But now in the appeal, she's bringing it up left and right. So should I also go back and state, you know, they well, can't. Brian, please, please, please just let her speak. 
My now, you're saying that she's bringing all this stuff up in the appeal now. Right. And it was just in passing before. It wasn't denied based on this, you know, having to have to go to the FDIC or anything like that. Or that she, I mean, they claimed it was non-existent, but they didn't. It was, it was in passing because they already admitted, hey, we pulled and it was all about these loans and all this other crap. Well, I, I guess, I, 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 Pam, I guess I'm a little confused here is okay. to precisely what it is. I mean, is she bringing up new issues that got no business being brought up here that are not relevant? Well, that's, I guess, a good question because if it was just yeah. before and it's not, you know, it was like a sentence brought up in one order, but he didn't state that was, you know, the decision was denied based on that. So that's why I'm not sure if I should state that. It's, it's um, what am I thinking of the word? You know what I mean? It, it doesn't even apply, and she, she can't bring this up now because none of this stuff was brought up prior. It wasn't yeah. discussed or looked into. Yeah, she's, she's introducing new issues at the appeal stage, which is improper. Okay. So new, she's she's bringing up new issues and arguments. Yeah. Not presented uh, at, uh, in the district court. And she's uh, she's arguing the case, not the appeal. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Which which they that's what they I was looking like. for. Yeah. See yeah. that's that's the thing you got to remember. And and I was talking with Terry on some things. And this is really easy to slip off in the ditch on this stuff when you're dealing with appeals. Don't Mm -hmm. be arguing anything about the case. The whole thing is about what did the court do wrong. And if the other side is arguing something, you know, trying to argue the case, that's improper. That's correct. So how do you respond to it? How do you respond well, to you that? Well, you, 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 you very straightforwardly tell uh, the court that uh, the arguments made by the appellee are, uh, you know, they're uh, attempting to argue the case rather than address the, the merits of the appeal, which was the errors of the court. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like I said, the only denial to the summary judgment was that it was a CRA, which, you know, we all know that's not true. And I've already proven that in the opening brief. I mean, 20 pages worth of case law, the Ninth Circuit ruling, the statute, everything is in there. Right. So I I feel like I have nothing more to say on that, that that's like a slam dunk right now as far as I'm concerned. So if this wasn't even mentioned at that point and that Mm -hmm. was the first round, then... This doesn't even apply. I don't know how to say it. It doesn't even apply. You know what I mean? To the well, it's not relevant. It's not relevant to the appeal. The case at hand. It was. It was relevant to the to the twelve C, which was after the summary judgment. Two years later, that's the only reason why it's being mentioned. But I'm saying it didn't apply to the first summary judgment because it wasn't in the order. It had nothing to do with his decision. Yeah. Well, you got to point out those details. Okay. Okay. Then that's yeah. then that's what I'll do. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Deal with it head on. So you're saying just point right out that the argument, yeah, has nothing to do with the order, and yeah. Okay. Because you know this has been ongoing now with the second trying to mis- <laughs> trying to mislead uh, the uh, tribunal. 
uh, and uh, it's their their arguments are are not relevant to the uh, issues uh, raised in the appeal by the appellant. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. you know, unfortunately, uh, an attempt at uh, mis- misleading and misdirecting the court. But isn't that what lawyers do? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Enough of it. It's just yep. amazing because I'm thinking, well, what, the court, what do they do when they see this? Uh, when you're uh, you know, doing about the order, oh, and they're you can you can only imagine some of the stuff the appellate judges see. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, does yeah. this answer your questions for you? Yes, I will. I'll continue on and stick with that then. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Let's go to North Central Texas. And I wonder who that might be. Do we hear a laugh? Mm-hmm. North Central Texas. Is that Andrew? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. Are you doing all right? Um, yep. Other question. I got some good news as well. I got three more settlement checks. Oh man, uh, he's on a roll. Yeah, total uh, total by eleven point five. Okay, so good. Pretty good. Uh, <clears throat> a question about moving for summary judgment in the TCPA. I know we talked. I know you heard you guys talk about uh, summary judgment. You can't do it until after some time for discovery. I guess. After uh, discovery is uh, completed, generally. Okay. So uh, when I have, you know, when I've got the uh, certified aid, I got certified copies from the ADAD uh, from Texas Public Utility Company. I just wanted to make sure when the proper time is to go ahead and just move in for summary judgment. Uh, should I wait for a round of discovery uh, or just, you know? Well, no, I- generally... Uh, Generally, uh, the a court is not going to consider a motion for summary judgment while you're still in discovery. Generally, that's not always necessarily the case. Can I, can I move for summary judgment before discovery starts? Well, you can, but it's a matter of what, whether the court is going to address it because the other side will argue that it's premature. You're, you have not had the opportunity to do discovery yet. Okay. See, you got to so, remember, there's two sides to the coin there. The other side right. can argue it, and uh, it's just like if they tried to do summary judgment on you, what would your argument be? Wait a minute, I haven't even had a chance to do discovery yet. Your your motion for summary judgment is uh, premature. The court should not consider it, or should uh, place it in abeyance. Okay. So, <clears throat> do I, uh, all right. So I wanted to make sure. I, I want to make sure. I, 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 Got to be patient, I guess, with, with moving. So, when I do the twenty six twenty six A disclosures, do I need to disclose to them that I've got copies of the ADAD report, or is that just you need to you need to disclose what you have? Yeah, heck yeah. Okay. Yep. Don't don't get yourself caught withholding information that you're supposed to disclose. There's okay. no benefit to doing it. You you don't want to spring things on them. If if you've got it, you've got it. What are they going to do? Go to the PUC and say, "Hey, wipe that out of your files." You know, tell them that was bogus. That you made a mistake when you gave them those copies. No, 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 no. Yeah, that actually might be your leverage to settle. That that's right. The fact that you've got that stuff uh, could could be the thing that gets them to talk turkey on settlement. All right. So just disclose it and. 
be more, I guess, be patient. Just, I guess, to use my discovery. Well, well yeah, send the 26. Oh, uh, who's come on with the phone making all the noise? Uh, I think that, uh, that was. I think that was Keisha's phone. <laughs> it was another North Central Texas, and Keisha is the one that does that. Yep. I had to mute her, but um, anyway, uh, you know, send those to them, and then uh, I think what I do is contact them and say, you know, I think if you looked at my 26A1 disclosures, you can see that I pretty much have all the evidence of what I need for my case. Uh, would you like to discuss settlement? Right. Okay. I think that's what I would do. Because ultimately, what do you want? You know, you want you want another check to add to the eleven point five, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah you. I'll I'll take the check before the fight any day of the week. If I can't get the check, then I'll give them the fight. You know. Right. Yeah. Because uh, I was talking to Israel. Or- Wondering when when to move in for for summary judgment, but uh, and I we were talking about well having to wait till discovery. Um, so we just need to be more patient because we have I mean, we're the thinking just we just move right along and get get summary judgment. Don't, don't mess around. But uh, so I'll just use the information I have. I'll provide it to them, and if they don't want to settle, then yeah, yeah. I know how to look, do. you know, I, know. I I got uh, I got certified copies of the information from the Public Utility Commission that that number is assigned to an ADAD unit. You know, I've I've got what I need to show that you called me with an auto dialer, and you didn't have my express consent. I can do that in a, in a affidavit. Right, right. So, um, what's the problem? Was was this on a, an alleged debt that you had, or were they calling the wrong party? They were calling for somebody else, Dave. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, just tell them that. You know, look, yeah. I got you dead in the water. You yeah. know, do you, do you want to beat this dead horse or? Can we reach some kind of a settlement? You know, I, I, I'm not one. I'm not your typical pro se that doesn't know what he's doing. I've gathered evidence already. Now, you know, do you want to have some discussion of settlement or not? Yeah. Test the waters. Right. That's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to make sure before I did anything. Sure. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. All Go right. get yourself you. another check. All right. <laughs> Okay, let's go to Southeast Florida. What I've got to do is mute and unmute you to get you out of the queue. Hey, guys, Jonathan in South Florida. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Here, uh, working on a few cases. Um, I actually sued the association where my condo's at for violations of FDCPA and FCCPA. Um, they filed a motion to dismiss stating that the court lacks jurisdiction on the FDCPA claim, and as such, it should be thrown out. Where the judge agreed with the motion, the judge actually agreed with the motion because I didn't plead specifically that they collect debts on other Oh, you didn't put the proper language in that they regularly uh, 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 collect or attempt to collect debts uh, uh, owed to another. There you go. Yeah. You leave that key stuff out, they can catch you. Did he dismiss it with prejudice? That's the question. They did not. He did. All right. There's two parts to it. He said that they have the ability to rule on the FCCPA case, which is a state case. But in his case, he decided that he's not going to rule it. But he did not dismiss with or without prejudice. 
Well, it didn't say that it was dismissed with prejudice. Amend and refile. He he dismissed counts one and two because it's FDCPA, but it it did not state whether it was with or without prejudice. So I'm I'm, I'm wondering, can I just amend my complaint? Well, John, it's very obvious. If he didn't stay... If he didn't say with prejudice, then you can refile. So what I would do is to go in. This is in federal court? Yes. Okay. Uh, what I would do is file a motion for leave to amend, confer with the other party, tell them you're going to, see if they have any objection. I believe you're required to do that at that stage. Yes. Yes. And then I, I would do my amended complaint. And in the motion, I, the reason for filing uh, the uh, motion for leave to am- amend and filing the amended complaint is to correct the deficiencies that resulted in the dismissal of those counts in the former, in your original complaint. Perfect. To properly replead. Perfect. That's it. So I wanted to. I'm sitting here. I'm like, wait a second. It didn't say with or without prejudice, and I'm scratching my head. Like, well, if that no, I it, well, is you you very simply, if they don't state it's with prejudice, it's without prejudice. Gotcha. Okay, that's a given. Gotcha. Now, all position. Yeah, most of the time they're going to say, you know, dismiss without prejudice with leave to amend or whatever. He didn't say with leave to amend, in other words, saying, hey, go ahead and do this. But you can. So that's what I would do. Uh, I would go ahead and uh, confer with the other side, tell them I'm going to file a a, uh, motion for leave to amend to uh, correct uh, the deficiencies that the court identified and used as a basis to dismiss those the FDCPA causes of action, and then make sure that you address uh, the issues and have the proper wording in there, and then put it before the court, and then the court will go, okay, yep, now we're back on for FDCPA and FCCPA. Let's go after and deal with both of them at the same time. That's what I would do. Hello? Did you lose him? I don't know. Did we? Looks like it. Oh dear. Well, every well, once in a while, hopefully, I pull the recording. Yeah, every once in a while. All right, let's go to the North Shore of Massachusetts. Hi, Dave. It's uh, Ilya from Essex County in Massachusetts. Yes. How you doing tonight? I'm trying my best. Well, that's all you can do. All you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. Uh, yeah, it's not really enough. I I think I can do better, but it doesn't look like I'm the smartest I need it. Here's my story. Uh, I have filed this uh, uh, lawsuit against my servicer. I found a um, lawyer, uh, an attorney or lawyer, that is on a con- contingency basis. And um, he kind of did not work as we uh, agreed on, on, you know, on the phone. So he amended the complaint without even showing it to me. And uh, uh, but uh, and he told me that uh, he couldn't uh, keep the uh, uh, refusal to pay, which was one of the. Uh, uh, okay. 
you know, causes of actions that I was in my, uh, you know, in my lawsuit. And he said, I cannot keep the FDCPA too. Uh, now, I see that uh, the judge gave another 14 days for uh, another chance to amend the complaint. And he hasn't talked to me or sent any email or anything. I'm, have, uh, you, have you tried to contact him? Yeah, I, I sent a couple emails, but he call doesn't him? answer. Did you call him? Hmm? Did you call him? No, I haven't called in, uh, call him. in the last week. Call, call him I, five times a day, so that's what it takes. See, you no, you you got to yeah. let him know that you're not going to take no, you're not going to be ignored. If he's working for you, he's going to communicate with you, or he isn't going to be working for you. Now, he's, uh, he's, uh, a, a few things that uh, it's a little weird. First, uh, Greentree, who is the servicer, refused to, to take my payments for two months. And uh, suddenly they, uh, they took it yesterday. They withdrew it yesterday. Now, now the other thing is, uh, if uh, if you uh, you, you know if the judge you know uh, says that the FDCPA is not going to be part of the uh, of the lawsuit, um, does this mean that you cannot ever bring it in court, or is it just for this case? Well, any any time that you bring an FDCPA action, it has to be based on specific actions by some person, whether it be a corporate or a real-life person, that did something that violated the statute, okay? I mean, every single situation stands on its own. It, it doesn't mean you can, you know, litigate, try and litigate the the FDCPA here, and if they say no, then you go and try and litigate it somewhere else. You can't do that. You can't go, so to speak, forum shopping. But it's, uh, you know, I don't know exactly all the deep. In fact, I don't know anything about the details of your case other than rudimentary stuff. I don't know exactly what you pled as violations of the FDCPA. I don't know why your attorney said you can't keep it. Um, I don't know what the judges said in his order about, you know, let you've me, got 14 you days to replete. Why, why have you got 14 days to file an amended complaint? For what? Oh, uh, the, um, so the other side filed the motion to dismiss. And uh, so his answer now is going to be probably that he's going to be, be only for F, FCP, uh, FCRA. Um, but here's an, another detail that I debated a little bit with my lawyer. I, uh, I um, assumed, or I presumed that Green Tree is a debt collector because when I offered them to pay, to pay off the mortgage, I sent them a copy of banker's check, they refused the payment. So, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, first of all. Yes. Did they acquire the right to collect when it was in default? Was it in default? No. So that's then they're true. not a debt so, collector. But when they refuse the payment, they are not entitled to collect. Are they? What do you mean? What do you mean when they refuse the payment, they're not entitled to collect? I was ready to pay off the mortgage. It's yeah, not I, much I know that. But this, see, there's a lot of stuff here 
that that we don't know. There's got to be something more to this situation than when, what we're aware of, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, you know, no. somebody calls somebody up and says, hey, I owe $50,000 on this. I want to pay it off. And somebody says, no, we're not going to accept your money. No, no, I send. I, I did it officially, Dave. Yeah. I yeah. send them okay. a request for the amount. I yeah. offered them to pay with yeah, the but, bank but check what, copy. Yeah, but they said no. Why did they say no? Well, they didn't answer at all. I waited six months and never answered. Whoa, whoa, whoa no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You waited six months from what? From the offer to pay. You made an to offer pay off. to pay... Right. You didn't, send any, you didn't send any I funds. You didn't send any funds. Well, I sent a copy of banker's check was hmm. ready to pay off the mortgage. Well, no, 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 no. But no, I gave them see. a condition. Well, but, <laughs> no, it, you made an offer to pay off the mortgage subject to certain conditions. That's all you did is you made an offer to pay it off, subject to certain conditions that you put on, not subject to the conditions of the original contract. Right? Um, the original contract doesn't say any condition for the payoff. They just no, 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 say no, no, the no, 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 no. You said that you sent them an, uh, an offer to pay it off. You, you contacted them and said, I want to pay this off, but there's these conditions. What were the conditions? To bring the original note and the, uh, the original uh, promissory note, mortgage okay. note and promissory note okay. on the table. Okay. Well, you know why they That's didn't. It. Okay, but see, the problem is, the problem is that you've got to understand is the original contract that you made with them does not state that when you pay it off, they have to give you back the original note. So what you did is you tried to alter that contract, and they rejected your offer because you offered to pay it off but with conditions that weren't in the original contract. You didn't offer to pay it off according to the conditions uh, and, and the contract language in the original document when you got the mortgage. See, there's the I understand problem. You, I understand you, Dave, but if the original contract says nothing, do I have to leave the original note and the mortgage out there so somebody else it's, no, it's, again? No, no, it doesn't say that they have to return it to you. That's, you agreed to that when you signed the contract. You can't you can't put that in and say, oh well, now later at, after the fact I'm going to make that a condition. You can't do that. They don't have to agree to that, and they're not obviously. So when you pay a mortgage, you uh, get nothing. You get a that? satisfaction of mortgage. From who? From whoever you were uh, paying uh, the uh, uh, whoever you owed the. Uh, money to the whether the, if the if the note had been assigned from A to B to C 
Okay, if no, Steve was the, the lawful owner of the note and you want to pay it off, you have to pay it off, but you have to pay it off according to the terms that you had with A in the beginning. You can't say, well, I'm going to pay it off, but I'm, I'm going to put some extra terms on it. It doesn't work that way. But, but there's no assignment, uh, Dave. Yeah, but it, okay, but I'm just saying if there was something there. My point to you is that you're having a problem with you put conditions on that that you can't. You had no legal right okay. to do. Okay, I'm dropping that. Now the second okay. thing is, if they pull my credit with, I'm, without my uh, uh, you know permission, permission, is that a, a, a FDCPA violation? It's not FDCPA necessarily. You say if they pulled your credit without your permission, well, if you had an account with them, they probably did an account review, which was a permissible purpose. I don't have an account with them. The account, they invented the account. It's a new account. I had an account with uh, Countrywide. was totally different with what their account is in my credit report. Well, I don't understand what she just said. Um, you, the who, account that who, is who, on my credit who, uh, report. No, well, hang, hang on a second. Who pulled your credit? Green Tree. Green Tree pulled your credit. Okay. And they were operating as a servicer for somebody, right? Yeah, they say. Okay. So they pulled it in the in the capacity as a servicer doing more than likely an account review. What account? Well, the mortgage account that you had more than likely? No, the account that I signed in the mortgage, it's not what the account that they show on, on my credit report. Well, so I, I well, signed no, account well, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. It doesn't show what account somebody pulls a credit, pulls your credit on. Yeah, they, they report just, and pull. What? They report and they pull the credit. Yeah, but pull, reporting on your credit report and pulling your credit are two completely separate things. You're saying they pulled your credit and you're saying it was an impermissible purpose. Okay. Well, how do you know it was an impermissible purpose? Maybe they were pulling your credit in relation to that that loan, which... Sounds logical, doesn't it? If they were the ones servicing a loan that you had, a mortgage, that if they they do that all the time, they do an account review. What account? I don't have an account with them. If you had a mortgage, you had an account. That's what I'm trying yeah, to but say. They, yeah, but they have a totally different account than the one that I signed. I don't understand what but, you mean. They got a totally different account, not the one I signed. Dave, when you sign a mortgage, you have an account that's supposed to be forever till you pay off the mortgage. Who said so? Now, who, who said you're, so? You're, you're assuming something that's not correct. Well, how can you create an account? Every every everybody has their own account numbers, and you're relying on a number. Yeah, you're just you're just going on a number that. You know, they, they can assign uh, a different number to something for their accounting records. I think Terry just spoke about it in the beginning. If, if you have a debt with an account and somebody else reports some other accounts, you know, how is you got, that? You, got me, you, you really got me confused here. I think you're confused 
on some of the stuff on what's a permissible pull and what's not. I probably am. Well, that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, if Green Tree was servicing a mortgage that you had and they pulled your credit, uh, they were probably doing it in conjunction with the servicing of that mortgage, which would be a legitimate purpose, a permissible purpose. There would not be a violation. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it's logical to think that that's very possibly why they pulled your credit. And um, last question I have, if... Let's say they have the right to pull my credit. Can they do that every month? Uh, a lot of times they do uh, account reviews on a monthly basis, yeah. So they that's can. Very, uh, that's actually very common. They can screw my credit just for fun. No, 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 no. An account review is not something that shows to everybody. The account reviews are what the, the slang is, uh, and it's not the language isn't in the FCRA. That is a soft pull that is not seen by other people that look at your credit report. It doesn't appear as a credit inquiry that would affect your credit. All right. Okay, Dave, thank you. All righty. Have help? a great night. Yep, you too. It thank you. It helps a little bit. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. And I'm going to look and see if we got any other hands up. Yeah. We got double wide. All right. Let me see if I can get to the one here. Yeah. How you doing tonight, bud? Oh, now you muted yourself, silly boy. Now you're Hello. unmuted. There you go. <laughs> now you're with us. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, hey. Uh, listen, I got I got a little bit of good news, and I got a little bit of I don't know news. Um, <laughs> I got $1,000 checks from... Uh, from Green Tree, which I I thought was pretty fun. I did like that. They put a smile oh, yeah. on my face. Um, that uh, deal with uh, my mother's house that was a mobile home. I they they actually the court has received uh, requests for summary judgment from the thank you very much from the opposing attorneys. And so what we've got going on is that they have uh, put in for summary judgment. So my attorney, which I, I love this, he actually is sending me copies of their paperwork and asking me for my opinion on how to proceed. <laughs> Jeez. Well, well, it's not that. It's okay, not that. It's not. It's, 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 don't, don't take it the wrong way. The guy's actually really brilliant. But yeah, I, yeah. He, but he just wants your input because he knows he, you're sharp. Absolutely. Right. So uh, I took that as an, as, as an extreme compliment. Um, well, yeah. So uh, from the beginning of this, actually before I got with you guys, uh, I always handled this as if they were a debt collector, that they never had the right to collect. So um, he's come to me and said, um, uh, any ideas are welcome. Of course, we, we do. The conditions proceeding could never have been met due to the fact that my mother had passed away. That she was never uh, informed of the bank's intent to foreclose, so that the, the, the conditions were never met. Um, that the probate was never initiated, so the estate never existed. So we're standing on that. But he asked me for any other ideas that I might have. So I thought, well, let me jump into it. So 
I've actually been thinking an awful lot about it, and I think I've covered most of the bases, but I always go to my friends whenever I get into a problem where I think, well, I've got this figured out. And I, I, I for lack of better terms, I like a second, of opi- second opinion or maybe just some other input. Now, attacking this from the standpoint that they are debt collectors, we already understand that. A mother's passed away. The contract cannot be fulfilled. The conditions proceeding cannot be fulfilled. Other than that, would you have any ideas on how to proceed with stopping them? Because uh, we're going to file a motion to uh, dismiss uh, the. Um, um, I apologize. The uh, summary judgment. Well, to oppose the summary judgment, yeah. Yes, to oppose. Well, it. yes, thank you. Well, obviously, what you, the whole crux of an argument against summary judgment is you have to show the court that there are issues of yeah. material fact right. before the court, and it, the the case needs to be heard by a jury to determine well, those they facts. They won't go with jury because it's a it's a case in equity. Okay. So, but so so okay. So the same thing. Just show that there is there is still well, things to be okay. Settled. Well, yeah. Then then you you, you got to show that there's issues of material fact before the court. So it has to go to trial, even if you don't have a jury. It's got to oh, go sorry. to trial where you can I'm go actually, and make your arguments. Yeah, I'm actually getting some paperwork done here while I'm, I'm talking to you and getting ready to go to Lincoln. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Well, like I said, I. I, I I value your input on this. Um, yeah, focus on that particular part of it right there. Think in terms of what issues of material fact are before the court that require that you have a trial mm-hmm. that you can present any and all evidence because you don't get to present any and all evidence at summary judgment. Right. And that's the, that's the crux of too. it. Yeah, yeah they, stay they focused on that. Okay. Well, like I say, I value everything, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and mute sure. back out. Thank you very much for your input. All right. You're very welcome. Okay, guys. Be safe out on the road there, buddy. All right. We're going to go to North Central Texas. And I wonder if this is Keisha, the squealer. It is. I don't know what, why my phone will do that for some reason. It's It'll just done it several times man that's that's hard on the ears i don't Ooh. know why i mean i've been on the call all that time so i don't know why it would all of a sudden just you weren't holding your tongue the right way keisha i wasn't even, i wasn't even holding the phone <laughs> well maybe that was the problem i don't teach I just, you to set it down yeah i just set it down and then i heard when i came back i heard Oh, North Central Texas, and then I'm like, that ain't me. My hand ain't up yet. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I heard, oh, wait, I had to mute her. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what I do? But um, the question that I had was, uh, again, like Andrew, in regards to the 26A1 disclosures. So now I, I heard what you said about um, introducing, you know, letting them know about the public utility. Now, how about if you had any recordings, you know, like we have the recordings and the pictures and everything? If you have have evidence, you need to provide it, yes. Okay, okay. And then also related to, like, my credit report or whatever for, um, because I have one that's actually coming up that I just got back in the mail. 
that the judge did the um we did our stipulate joint stipulated and he sent back the um the dates and everything for it. So um, I, I I don't understand what you just talked about there because you oh, left out pertinent did. information. I know, but I was just trying to hurry up and get through it because I know we only got two minutes. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so uh, so related to related to um to that, which regarding to my FCRA, I would I could include the copy of my credit report that shows that the debt collector was reporting on my credit report and then along with, um, you know, the inquiry that was placed and then also saying that they were pulling on behalf of someone else and then it well, shows that they... Yeah, shows, well, okay. what, you you got you to read the rules. What, what are the requirements under the 26A1 disclosures? You're supposed to provide the information that you have in your possession that's relevant to the case. Okay. okay, relevant as to individuals that have information, so on and so forth. Now, think about one other aspect of that. If you show them that you've got the evidence to back up allegations that you're making, don't you think that that might possibly play into a better possibility that somebody might want to talk to you about settlement going, oh, crap, she's got evidence of this stuff? Yes. Yeah. See, that's the way okay. I, the, the thing that I've always got in the back of my mind when I'm doing stuff is, hmm, first of all, i got to comply with the rules. Second of all, would this enhance the possibility of settlement? Because settlement is always in my mind because what is it that I want? Do I want to fight or do I want to check? A check. Thank you. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure that I, you know, you weren't putting too much because I know I think a lot. So I want to make sure I wasn't putting too much information or whatever when I go well, ahead and it's, do my twenty six A one. Well, it's a matter of what you're required to provide. You know, you're required yes. to provide what you've got. Okay. Okay. And a lot of people want to play games with that. Why play games with it? I mean, you can't spring stuff on them. You you can't if you try and bring it up later and you didn't disclose it in the beginning, they can say, "Oh, you didn't disclose that with your twenty six A one disclosures. You can't use that now." Oh, so that would include the person's name that I have, that girl's name that I have that said that they use it the automated telephone dialing system. Yeah, everything like that. You know, oh, the, the okay. persons that may have information regarding this, you can uh, name her. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. yeah. If okay. they know that there's somebody that admitted that we use automatic dialers and that stuff like that, you know. Oh, crap. You mean she told her that on the phone? I can't believe she did that. Maybe we better get this settled. See what okay. I mean? Okay, yes. Okay, okay, I'm clear. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. It is that hour. It's 10 o'clock Central daylight time and it's time to bring the call to a conclusion tonight uh, thanks to everybody that joined us thank you Terry John Jeff and uh, tomorrow night don't forget we're going to be doing I believe an open call and uh, then 
on Wednesday afternoon, there's a webinar. I did not go and look at the subject of that, but all you have to do if you're a member, and of course members are the only ones that get to see the Wednesday afternoon webinars, or any webinars for that matter, uh, just go to the upcoming webinars section in the uh, website, and that will tell you exactly what's going to be covered. And then, of course, uh, on Wednesday night is Terry's call. And don't forget, Terry's got a new phone number if you uh, happen to have been away from her calls for a little bit or something. But uh, she sends out the reminders. If you're not on her reminder email list, send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com. Simply say, please put me on the list, and she'll get you on there and get you the call reminder with the number. The PIN for the call is the same. It was just the phone number that changed a couple months ago. So um, there's lots of help out here, but as I've said so many times before, these calls are not a substitute for being a member of the website and having access to all the organized information and the wealth of information. There's, there's nothing else like it on the web. And if you haven't gone there, just open a browser and type in knockoutcollectors.net. Don't do a search on it. Just open it up. Type in knockoutcollectors.net. It'll take you right there. Register with your name and your email address. Look for an email to come back to you right away. It's automated. You'll get an email back, which is an opt-in for spam purposes. Do everything above board according to the law. There'll be a link in that email. Click on that link. You'll get a second email back. You'll have some information in that as well as a link that will take you into the free part of the website where you can get a real good taste of uh, the type of information and the way it's presented and everything as to what all is in the, the website. Is the website free? No. Websites don't come free. They cost money, but it's a minimal cost. It's $99 for the first month, and after that it's $49 a month for as long as you want to be a member. There's no commitment. And the best part is it's got a 60-day money-back guarantee. If you get in there and you study, you look at it, and you go, oh, my God, this is a wealth of information, but it's too much for me. I can't do this. You can get your money back. All you got to do is ask for it. Follow the instructions that you get when you uh, join. you got 60 days to decide whether you want to do it. But there's another really cool thing about it. It's not about making a bunch of money. It's about getting the information in front of people you can share a membership with somebody because there's two IP addresses available for each membership. Uh, Terry uh, has people that contact her that uh, are interested in sharing memberships. That gets you down to 25 bucks a month to have uh, access to all those resources and then to have these calls three nights a week to get information to help fit the pieces of the puzzle together as it relates to your situations, just like we've been doing tonight. It's all about helping people, but we can't help you if you aren't willing to help yourself by getting involved, getting into the website, getting the information, studying, and then when you have questions, come and ask so we can help you based on our experience and our study. You know, we're not experts, we're not lawyers, but yeah, I've been in a few federal cases. And the other moderators. Terry, Jeff, John, have all been in federal court as well. We're all experienced there, some of us more so than others. But the point is, we're here to help you 
but we can't help you if you won't step up and help yourself and do the studying that's necessary. With that said, thanks again to everybody for joining us tonight. We will speak with you on Blog Talk Radio tomorrow night. Have a great evening, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.